Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to this week's episode of Best Camp of My Life, a podcast about MMA. Kind of, but not really, but kind of. I'm your host, Fernanda Prates, and I don't know whether I should say I'm sorry or you're welcome, as I announced that we are skipping our regular intro this week. Why, you ask? Well, I have a couple of theories. Is it because you already know my guest and therefore there's no need to waste anyone's time? Is it because I've been listening to a lot of Behind the Bastards and am inspired by the genius of Robert and his minimalistic intros? Is it because my brain is now a barren wasteland that is incapable of doing anything that isn't sharing leftist memes created likely by a 17-year-old TikToker who reminds me of myself and I wasn't just a bunch of neurosis and wasted potential? I guess we'll never know. But I would argue that that's the beauty of the space. Nobody ever knows what is happening or what I'm doing, including myself. Um, so that's it for my intro this week. It was just as awful as I had predicted, but it was quick and painless. So uh, we have that going for us. As I said, we know my guest this week. Um, it is... Somebody who I've I've no I've already made that joke, babe. Do it again. About knowing yeah, it's probably good. No, it's just a stupid double entendre. Well, yeah. we've ruined it. Uh, my guest this week is my man's my man's Rodrigo del Campo. Did I say that with a proper accent? Oh, that was Did I roll very, my arse? That was very Mexican. Oh, good, Rodrigo. Rodrigo oh, del Campo. Rodrigo, yeah, Rodrigo. Or as uh, the Americans would say, Rodrigo. 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 Or as I would say, Rodrigo. I eventually found out there's an actual English uh, equivalent for Rodrigo. What is it? Roderick. Roderick? Roderick, yep. Well, okay. And then I knew that I had met a Roderick years ago and I didn't know. Oh, well, that? the more you know. Are you ready to test your might, though? Oh, you're already taking over. You're I'm, spoiling I'm the theme. I asked a, a simple question. I skipped the big intro just so we could have like this. No, that's not. See, this is why I write my intros. Today, you got like a kind of improv thing and it was awful. So now, you know, so now when you listen to like my intros and you think, oh my God, that is just dragging on forever and that is unnecessary. Consider that I put a lot of effort into it. And that's better than me improving. I'm just a bad improver. But um, yeah, since this has been spoiled, today's episode will be yet another movie review. Well, not another, because when we did a review, it was Cobra Kai. It was the series. Yep. So today we are doing a full-on movie review about, if you caught that reference, 
by uh, my co-host today, who apparently wants to fucking steal the show. Um, this is on the 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 one person I saw that wanted me back, <laughs> which I think was just one. So that's on them. A lot of people wanted you, Boo Boo. You got a lot of a lot of uh, good feedback. Why on my Twitter from like Why? all my three listeners? Why? I don't know. They're weird. They listen to me. We can't ask too many questions. Well, they're now with me twenty four seven. Again, so this is bad. like the yeah. This the whole situation is just strange. But let's get to it. So we're talking about uh, Mortal Kombat. Because we just had a new trailer for the new Mortal Kombat, the upcoming Mortal Kombat movie. So we decided to look back on the classic movie, um, watch it together for the second time, even though the first time kind of didn't count. We'll explain why in a bit. And it's nothing weird or sexual, guys. Like, I know the way I said it sounded like it. No, we didn't start making out in the middle of Mortal Kombat. We're not monsters. We weren't even in the same country. We weren't even in the same country. We were watching Mortal Kombat remotely. And I may have been a little inebriated when that happened. A little, I had a little bit of gin the first time we watched it together fell asleep halfway through the movie <laughs> as we FaceTime and uh, did a lot of choreography to the Mortal Kombat theme. The the if I if I'm not mistaken, I'd like did a few like things with the camera and Yep. Again, not sexual guys, I promise. It was just me like frantically shaking the camera to the rhythm of the EDM theme of Mortal Kombat. Which was amazing, by the way. Uh, see, th see, this is love. This is a person who witnessed that. Me completely drunk on gin, playing with the phone to the sound of Mortal Kombat before proceeding to fall asleep halfway through the movie and says that, that, that he enjoyed it. What a, what a weird little person. To your credit, you fell asleep where, where the movie gets weird. Weird, because it's a weird movie to start. But, but like, good weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it, but it's good weird. But like, I think we can definitely talk. There's like half of it where it has like a story and like kind of development and things move along. And then like halfway through, it's like, oh, fuck it. They're just going to fight. Amazing. Random fights. Amazing. And we've, I, we found out, thanks to the, an article you sent me. Which I haven't read. There is a reason for that. Because they did a screener of the movie first. And everybody said that they needed more fights. So they went back in and uh, like did more fights. So this is probably why this happened for you. I didn't. I didn't feel that. So we did it with Cobra Kai, and I'll do it again. Just like clarify my bias as we move forward with this movie. I like to let people know how I stand on it, so you know that I am looking at it through a specific lens, and my lens is. Mortal Kombat is fucking awesome. I love it. It's an amazing movie. It's super fun. So I will review it according to that. So just, it's just something you have to deal with. Also, it's almost 30 years, but there obviously will be spoilers. Maybe while I'm talking, because I'm the one with the loose lips, I might spoil something else. I will try not to spoil anything younger than five years so, like, if I spoil something else, I'll try to be something from What do you mean, like a reference? Yeah, because the last time I spoiled The Boys. Oh, okay. And your super producer, Jordan, hi, yeah. Jordan, was, like, clever and not and caught it to, like, bleep. Bleep it out. When I said something about Elizabeth Shue. 
I didn't even know he did that, by the way, because I don't listen back on the podcast because I am embarrassed of listening you, you, you to You should make a great podcast. So I will like Sweetie. if I spoil something, yeah, I'll try that it's from 2015 backwards. Not This that is why I should have an intro to let people know. I'm not gonna Dude. spoil something super free now. Well, if you're listening to this, like you don't expect any. I've made it clear last episode with my guest Casey. Just this is a dump. Don't expect anything Stop. from this podcast. Uh, as we move forward with this review, I will let you guys know. I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. So I always go back and forth between like doing a chronological thing because I always think that might be kind of boring. Like if you just want like a narration of what happens in the movie, you're just going to watch the freaking movie, which I advise you to do, by the way, because again, it's fucking awesome. But uh, I also don't want to like, It's a bit too confusing. So what I will end up doing is um, not doing anything solid or proper. And this is going to be confusing regardless. But now, you know, one good thing, though, that I did is I made notes as we yep. watched it uh, yesterday. One bad thing is that I don't know how to make notes. <laughs> I only make them because I feel like that makes me look more professional. But then I look back at my notes and I have no idea what I did or what I was thinking or why that note exists. So that's something we're going to have to collectively deal with as we move forward here. But I will go by my notes so we can debate the topics that I deemed important yesterday and no longer know if they're important because that's how my brain works. Um, I This is my first note. So you guys have a glimpse into my brain. Already starts off with a bang, comma, stomping on spine. Then quotation marks. Your brother's soul is mine. You will be next. Then parenthesis. Nightmare, but sets the tone. <laughs> And then parenthesis. Brother dead, return home. Remember, the, so there's, the movie's 1995, right? Yeah. So shot in the 90s. Did, I'm going to date myself here. Did you ever in your life get an actual telegram? No, I uh, no, that's not part of my reality. Because that's when you feel old. Because the the movie starts with Liu Kang getting that phrase you just said, like yeah. "brother dead, come home." <laughs> Brother, like who? That is just the most insane way of finding out that a relative is dead. Babe, Brother it, dead. It's a telegram. It has to be brief. Dude, but what the fuck? You're just they killing. charged per letter. <laughs> Dude, like, you can't even like pay for like the is. <laughs> By the way, the telegram, at least like in Mexico or like in a big part of Mexico, was already outdated when I grew up and I'm old. Mm -hmm. The only way I remember telegrams is because my mom insisted to like some of my cousins yeah. to send them a birthday telegram. something under via telegram because she felt like oh they're getting something in the mail and it'll be nice did she ever find out a relative was dead by via telegram no because we grew up in the 60s and the 70s not the 30s which makes this <laughs> weird like there's a phone then you see like he grew up in a small town yeah and monastery and stuff like maybe the only way to communicate is a telegram still so that's harsh <laughs> that's all i'm saying brother dead come home <laughs> But I'm laughing at this man's brother's death. So this is wrong. Uh, this is more succinct, by the way, than uh, baby shoes never worn. The for sale baby shoes never worn. It's more succinct than that. So there, there's that. What's that? That's a short story. 
About what? We'll talk about it later. It's a very, a very famous brief short story. Why? Oh my God. He's co-opting my podcast and introducing things that make no sense in my mind right now. Uh, but yeah, so what I meant by my note, I think, is because we just already get off to just an interesting start because the villain is there right away. And he says, your brother's soul is mine. You will be next. And we find out that that was Liu King's nightmare. But I feel like um, that's an, first of all, I love the villain, Shan Tsung. But do you love the villain or do you love the actor or both? Both. I think he plays because he had to ham it up and he did. And every time he's on scene, like there's he's doing some weird, amazing face. And it's very caricatural, but I love it. And I know you're going to you're going to push back on that because I admitted yesterday that I kind of had the hots. <laughs> For 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 him, I'm not gonna pu uh, push back on him being amazing. Yeah, both uh, Shang Tsung and the actor Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa, who's really fucking good. Who I met in another movie in which he randomly appeared with Edward James Salmos, a, a movie called uh, American Me. See, you always do this. Dude, he's always bring, such stop a bring, good movie. Stop bringing culture into this. This such is not the movie. place, babe. His nickname, El Japo. This is the, which is a racist and sensitive nickname, but that's the streets in the 50s. This is supposed to be a, an uncultured you dog. You kind of got the hots from a guy that kills people. And steals their souls. And steals their souls. Don't kink, stop kink shaming I'm not kink shaming you. You are. You if are. If a soul stealer is your thing, Fine, I guess. I'm just saying it's kind of hot the way he. The, it's not that he steal. It's the way he does it. But anyway, so we're <laughs> the breaking of the necks <laughs> and the literal sucking of the soul, which we see in the movie. Like someone dies, the soul goes like a Casper the Friendly goes. Ooh, he literally sucks it out of them. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's got intent. He's a man who knows what he's after. That's kind of hot. That's kind of hot. Uh, and when uh, Kano gets a little weird with Sonia, he's like, no, don't touch her. Even though that also denotes that he has some weird obsession with Sonia, but we'll get there. Um, so I, I like that they set the tone of the movie right away. Because some movies, I'll say this about Mortal Kombat, and this is my main thing with it and why I love it so much. Some movies make you work hard for them. Like they make you, you have to really like put a lot of effort into understanding subtleties and the undertones. There's none of them with more. You know, you know exactly what you're getting. They're giving you the content and the explanations in a very didactic manner. That's the greatest thing about the movie. Yeah. It, is, it is what it is. It's it, not Street Fighter, <laughs> right? The Street Fighter movie, which of course has its charms and I whatever. I love it again. But like it's something else, something different, something convoluted, something weird. A Belgian dude playing an American general who's supposed to be in the army. He blah, 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 blah. He's okay. Remember the characters you like from the game? Yes. Remember the kind of mythology around the game? Because here I think there had only been two games released. One yeah, they were working according to the oral history you sent me, um, which is on the Hollywood Reporter. 
Mortal Kombat untold story of the movie that kicked the hell out of everyone is the article they mentioned it was as they were doing the second game where they had just released it yeah now there's like 11 of them and of course they're serious in this yeah. this animation there's like a mythology like a really well laid out story they didn't have they, it. they didn't have anything yeah they were trying to create it with the movie exactly and so sort of complement it remember the characters you liked remember the moves you liked remember the yeah. violence you liked the fights you liked here it is on screen yeah. Which is what the Super Mario Brothers movie and the Street Fighter movie failed to do. Yeah. So in that, this is a success to me and that's it. Yeah. I like it, it for the scenes are so on the nose, but I love it. Like when Johnny Cage is introduced, he's doing like an action movie type thing. Uh, and Johnny Cage is obviously the like uh, comic relief of the movie. And he does a really, really good job. Um, and then... There's a scene where they're trying to explain why he would participate on the tournament, which is he's got like a chip on his shoulder because people think he's fake. So they have this Steven Spielberg lookalike director on set and they have like a guy reading a paper that reads Johnny Cage fake. <laughs> so and then the person reading the paper who is a but it's ultimately Cheng Sung pretending to be his it's whatever we don't care but the thing is that and then he goes like they think you're fake while holding a paper saying Johnny Cage fake so I love it this is a movie that is not making us waste too much mental bandwidth like we know what's happening by the way not addressed but now that you say it probably true Shan Sung killed uh, Johnny Cage's master he killed everyone because if he can turn into him he probably killed him right that's true. That wasn't pictured. See, but now you're adding new ones. No, boom, it boom. would be another motivation for Johnny Cage. <laughs> but I don't think he realizes it. No, he doesn't I hadn't realized shit. it. He gives a shit about his $500 uh, pair of sunglasses. Yeah, which is amazing. And an improv line. It's he put it, he ad lived. See, amazing. Uh, so many good things about the movie. But so, so we have those little tidbits that I think are really cool because I'm lazy. I spend too much time thinking. I don't want to think. I want to enjoy myself. And I think that Mortal Kombat really does that. Uh, I will add, uh, so like I said, let's not necessarily go chronologically, but I do, as we're on the subject, I do think Johnny Cage is like such a good character because he's douchey. You kind of dislike him, but at the same time, he's really funny. And he, I don't know, he seems earnest. I like him. That's the thing, right? Like, he, he literally, Johnny, this is the thing I like also about the characters here. Like, there's nothing hidden. There's nothing, mm -hmm. like, maybe the script fucked up and then you, you can't see everything. No, no, no. They're that. Yeah. And I think uh, Linda Nashby, who plays Johnny Cage, is, like, really a perfect balance between, like, a douche and an actual likable. martial artist yeah. and someone that actually is worrying about people. That's, and I love him. And then we have Sonia which I think is such a cool portrayal of a woman in the 90s that I wasn't really expecting. Right? Because I was expecting it to be like just this ridiculous, good-looking character that didn't have any depth. And she doesn't have any depth, but in the same way that none of the male characters have any depth. And that's amazing. She's treated with just as much carelessness as everyone else, but she's super empowered. And I think that was awesome. Did you read who was supposed to play Sonia before Bridget Wilson Sampras? Yes, and she got injured. 
She had a wrist injury. Cameron Diaz. She was just um, out of the mask, still unknown, and injured her wrist and couldn't play. Uh, she injured her wrist, I think, rehearsing or something, and then couldn't do the role. Couldn't do Sonia played. Because she couldn't do the fight scenes. And then they had to wait on Bridget Wilson, who was shooting Happy Medicine, Billy Medicine. Billy Medicine. And then, uh, yeah, then, then they ended up going with someone who still couldn't do the fight scenes. <laughs> But I like her. I think she adds, uh, she adds depth to the character who is always uh, frowning. And I love it because she doesn't need no man. She's a strong, independent woman who don't need no man. And I love it. That's amazing and a great addition for the movie. Another thing that I, I pointed out that I really liked was just the sceneries, which I thought were really cool. It, that, there it's a thing, right? Like, it looks really cheap on some sets and it looks really expensive on some others. Dude, the dragon ship is amazing and I will die on that. It still looks cheap as hell. Right. But amazing. Like it's super. And then like they go to this perfect beach. I think it's Thailand where they're yeah, shooting. They're shooting in Thailand. It's just beautiful. Yeah. They all, they went to Thailand. And uh, one interesting thing, Raiden, who's played by Christopher Lambert. Which we'll get to in a minute. We'll get to in a minute. He, uh, so Christopher Lambert couldn't go. Wasn't supposed to go because he would need to. He was already being like paid a lot because he was the big name in the movie. Yeah. And they didn't want so for him to go to Thailand would be too expensive. They already had him for a shorter time, so he wasn't gonna go. They were gonna like edit him in a way that it made him look like he was there, and he insisted on going, pretty much for free, so he could make the most of of, like he could make the character look good, which didn't work because it fucking sucks. But then again, apparently, according to this, which is one of the few things I, I uh, read, he paid for the rap party. And he paid for the rap party. So It's good at him. He had the money. So like, ah, fuck, I'll pay for it. It really made me like come around to Raiden because so my problem since we're getting into it, since we're not following a script, since we're improving, guys, if this format doesn't work, uh, keep it to yourselves. Don't let me know. I'm very fragile. I'm sensitive. I cannot fucking stand uh, negative criticism. So, yeah. But, so the thing with Raiden is he doesn't necessarily have like a, a an ethnicity or a nationality or a race defined in the in the uh, games. You don't even see really his face, right? Yeah, the first, I don't remember when you yeah. see his face, but like in the first two or three. You don't see, see him. Yeah. But he's from Asian mythology. So I was just very weirded out <laughs> by this extremely white man showing up in this ridiculous white wig and being like revered as a god when he looks so fucking silly. He looks like he would sell you insurance. Also, he's Connor McLeod. So suddenly the Highlander is appears as Raiden, which is weird as shit. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't support the casting choice. I just think it's weird. Apparently, he was supposed to be a more like comic character at first, and they changed the script because he was supposed to be a god and he was supposed to be serious. But I think what we got was sort of an in-between thing. Like he's kind of a jokester. He's supposed to be all powerful, but he doesn't seem all I don't know. I just I I think Raiden fucking sucks. I think they needed to go. Either way, like either you have this all powerful God who's super intimidating or you have like just a, a funny character and you have this weird guy who really doesn't get anywhere. I don't like. Reading. No. The, and, and the thing is, um, 
dude, like you can say whatever about Christopher Lambert. Like he got famous of actual big movies like uh, uh, Greystoke and um, Highlander and stuff. And then he obviously like did these, like when you see what he's done, he's done like a lot of B movies, a lot of actual good movies, a lot of things mm -hmm. in French, a lot of things in English, whatever. He has, like he has personality. Like Christopher Lambert has like a thing mm -hmm. anytime you see him, right? So that's like the thing that's kind of, uh, like the character isn't that good, but like he has a, a presence. Yeah, you notice him, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of weird. Like a character with like such good presence that has nothing to do. Especially nothing to teach to Liu Kang. Yeah, because that's the thing, right? I have nothing to teach you anymore, Liu Kang. And then you're like, then why are you there? Which brings us to Liu Kang, which we haven't okay. commented on yet. Yeah. Liu Kang is like, he was actually, he did he was shooting movies in Hong Kong at the time. And he wasn't the, the fight choreographer, but he brought a lot uh, to the fight choreography from what I read still from that story. Um And I think he's probably like the most well-developed character, him and Johnny Cage, and I with the best fight scenes for sure. Um, but that's the extent of what I have to say. About. No, it, and he also, when Johnny Cage was super racist about him, apparently <laughs> he had a good comeback. So good on Liu Kang. But I, I, I think he's like one of the, he's he does a good job of being sort of the lead i think him and johnny cage sort of shared the lead yeah and, and we have to take it with those with the 1995 glasses which is a thing we were discussing last night right like now we know like what characters like kind of obsess uh mortal kombat fans like be sub-zero and scorpion or like something newer raiden whatever like at that time like the game was an arcade it was just barely going into consoles Like, I don't even think the guys from the studio from, like, anywhere knew, like, what characters people actually liked. So, yeah. like, they chose, okay, like, Liu Kang is this, and this is a line we can go, a story we can go through uh, about him growing up in a temple, uh, being raised to beat people in Mortal Kombat, the Mortal Kombat tournament and stuff. So, this is, like, a good line through, right, to the movie. And then, like, now that we see the movies, like, yeah, like, Liu Kang, at least, like, for me, for my friends who... Like, we grew up on Mortal Kombat. We were, like, 12 when the thing came out. Like, no one liked Liu Kang. No one played as Liu Kang. I know there's probably someone listening that now that's an expert no, Mortal Kombat. No, always so Liu Kang. This is the best character. You just <laughs> uh, don't know how to use no, it. You don't know. No. He And if you're that person, stop listening to us. Look, there's no place for you here on this podcast. He didn't punch people in the nuts like Jenna Cage. Didn't freeze people like Sub-Zero. And yeah. didn't hook people and pull them like Scorpion. Yeah. So, no, I'm not going to pick Liu Kang. But since you're in this subject, uh, yeah, so that's something else we wanted to touch on. I'm being very smooth in my transitions here today, as you can uh, probably tell. Like, uh, that, that's a segue. <laughs> Just a This is going to be a bumpy ride, in case you haven't noticed. <laughs> I'm perfecting my process, boo-boo. I feel like people who are listening to this today are going to be like, when I'm like super famous for my movie review. When you're winning a Pulitzer for film criticism? Yes, they're okay. going to be like, oh, I saw her early on while she was perfecting her process and stuff. But um, we since you touched on it, I wanted to talk on it. Because that was both of our feelings yesterday, that they yeah. did Scorpion and Sub-Zero dirty. They Get dirty, <laughs> and, and, and there's an explanation They're for the this because Shun Tsung 
So like he says it like they're the deadliest of enemies, but slaves under my power. So that's the explanation. Like they're they're not really independent characters. They're just there to serve him. And on the one hand, they do have the two like they have good fight scenes, um, which, for instance, the scorpion scene with um, Johnny Cage in the woods. By the way, also added after they had the meeting and they asked for more fight scenes. Not surprised because that's the first it random looks super fight, right? Weird, yeah. So like the tournament is going on, uh, Liu Kang's fighting, Sony is fighting, and then we cut to Johnny Cage walking through a weird ass <laughs> forest because just like perfectly lined up dry trees that go yeah. forever, and then Scorpion suddenly appears. And then they're fighting, and then they go to like another dimension, and then there's fire, and then everything goes insane. But it's the one time we get to say, come over here, and then the yep. whole thing. Is it get over get here? Over here. Get over here. I think so. Yeah. Probably someone corrected me out loud so listening to this. I was so young, you know, so young, being that I'm very young and you're very old. Uh, as we've established several times, we had yeah, this you're here, so that says more about you than me. <laughs> but uh, since I was too young uh, for Mortal Kombat lore, well, no, uh, one little thing that my listeners might not know um, I used to frequent a lot of anime and manga events in my teenage years, even though I wasn't a big anime or manga. Um, fan that was the crew i hung out with because i was um too much of a loser to hang out with anyone else um and so there was a lot of mortal kombat stuff in the events i went to there was a lot of cosplay and a lot of people dressed up as uh, street fighter and mortal kombat characters so i don't have a lot of knowledge but i do kind of know the characters a lot from what i saw in those events and there were a lot of sub-zeros and scorpions they were like big favorites uh, I played a little, but like not enough to really have a grasp on the universe. So this is just me giving you some context and reminding you that I'm a fucking loser who wasn't popular at all growing up and still isn't. Uh, but I did lose a summer in the arcade and then eventually got the Super Nintendo. There were a lot of Sonyas. Yeah. Yeah. Where are yeah. the events? But not as many as Chun-Li's. So there's that. Yeah. There, but there were battles of video game characters and stuff like that. Did they actually fight? No, no, Ugh. we were we weren't cool enough to actually Should engage in physical violence. Yeah. Uh, but what was I saying? Yeah, so I feel like Scorpion and Sub Zero got really done dirty. They have no participation in the general narrative whatsoever, but they do give us cool fight scenes. We do see Scorpion uh, blowing out fire from his skull like the fatality, so there's that. And he bled lava. But... That was amazing. We don't see Sub-Zero ripping someone's spinal cord out of their body. Yeah, Sub-Zero got, like, an even smaller role. Yeah, like, he kills one of... He doesn't even kill a cool character. Yeah. Or fights a cool character. Yeah. He fights Liu Kang at the end, which is when he dies. Yeah. Very easily via bucket of water. That's insane. That I will never forgive them for. No. They killed Sub-Zero via bucket of water. That no. is just, that is some fucking bullshit. What was that if that movie where The element people that brings life. Yeah. What is it? The Shyamalan movie where the aliens get die because oh, of water. Oh, Unbreakable. No, no. No, no, no. Yeah, with Mel Gibson and Science. I don't know if that's a name in English. In Portuguese, it's Sinaish. Yeah, yeah, it's Science, which has like the coolest 10 seconds in the history of yeah, uh, and then it goes Emma Shyamalan's film career. Yeah. 
which is the people and the party and the alien that goes through your former yeah. town of Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, but we're which not... Which is scary as shit. Yeah. And then the movie sucks. Yeah, but the, the point of what, what I was getting at is, like, water kills the fucking aliens and it's stupid. And then they did that. Which is, yeah. That's insane. It's a War of the Worlds thing, too. And one character I, I really had no recollection of that you said was kind of big in the games was Reptile. Yeah. And he also... Which is the greens of Zero and... Uh, but he also has an amazing fight that was added later. Oh, that I, I would yeah. imagine that's added later. We added my favorite fights, which were... I'm quoting uh, the director, Anderson. We added uh, Paul something Anderson, not the one who does boring movies. Paul W.S. Anderson. Yeah, the fun one. Uh, we added my favorite fights, which were the Scorpion <laughs> fight with Johnny Cage. The terrible director. And uh, stop it. The butcher. You're not going to do this... On my my time. He destroyed Resident Evil. That's uh, and the reptile fight with Liu Kang. Yeah, so that, which was, is one of the best fights in the movie, and it ended up being um, added later. So who knows? But the yeah, like you said, the scorpion fights look really out of place, and they're in a forest, and then they show up in this fiery red world that we don't understand. But he does have the fire skull moment, and he does bleed lava. So we will uh, forgive that. We will forgive that because it's it's amazing. Um, who do we want to want to talk about? Yeah, I wanted to remind everyone of how bad Sonya is at fighting. Uh, though I have mentioned it before. <laughs> and I was reading that uh, Bridget uh, something Sampras. I forgot her second name. Bridget Wilson Sampras. Wilson Sampras. Um, she, I don't even know, she's still Sampras. I don't know if they're still married. But I think they are. Uh, she talked about like doing her own stunts and like she was glad that her fight scene, because she has this fi fight scene with Kano, who... Um, there's a storyline there. He killed her partner. He's very, very... What is he? Irish, Scottish, Australian? I think he's Australian. I'm sorry for all the people I offended by not acknowledging the accent, but I... He's, a, he's Australian. I couldn't tell it. I couldn't tell where it was from. Uh, but she was... Uh, she has a fight scene with him, and then she's the actress says, oh, I was glad that was shot last because I got to like learn more. And it's awful. She's clearly very bad. This is a lady who cannot do a fist pose but I appreciate the attempts. And again, she has like really good one-liners. So, Yeah, he's Australian. The character is Australian. The actor Trevor Goddard is British. And he tragically passed away oh, uh, no. of a drug overdose on June 2003. Oh, I did not know that. An accidental drug overdose of heroin, cocaine, temazepam, and Vicodin. Thank you for uh, uh, cheering, cheering us up. That's a downer. Yeah, you, you added a, a nice little... A nice little caveat there. Last movie, Parts of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Yeah, now um, I guess we should just end this because now everybody's sad. No, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Oh, this dude, he was only 40. We keeps Jeez. it real in this spot, babe. Babe, we're already sad enough. He <laughs> was younger enough. than me. That sucks. Yeah, let's just stop this. Okay. Uh, but so that's why the accent was confusing to yeah. me. Yeah. Because he was British doing an Australian accent. See, I will forgive myself for sounding incredibly ignorant uh, right now. But then again, can you tell the accents, the Portuguese accent from the Brazilian accent, dear listener? Can you tell the real accent from the Sao Paulo accent? No. So stop judging. Uh, I liked the fight scenes. I thought they were... There's a lot of things that are not 
feasible in real life fighting circumstances. Like the classic Liu Kang strikes where he's like doing the several kicks in the air and things like that. That's not a thing that we're going to ever see in a real fight. But obviously, if you're talking video game fights, that makes sense. Yeah. Also, regarding as the first movie, years later, because like no one kind of knew from what I read. As the first, uh, I don't like the name, just saying that first, because it sounds a little racist. The first Wirefu movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, which everyone thought it was The Matrix, mm-hmm. which is like the wire techniques they use for fighting yeah. on the Asian movies, Japanese, Hong Kong movies. Uh, yeah, and the, the Matrix did like, they mentioned it also in the story. They did that they like, did like, a, like the nth degree yeah. in, the, in The Matrix, but they did a lot of wire work, which sounds super commonplace in action movies, uh, for Mortal Kombat. Yeah. So that's why they're cool as shit. It's it's interesting. Flying a little like yeah. you can have the bicycle kick thing, but he also does like the the, the Johnny Cage. Remember, like he runs in the right mm-hmm. scene and does this really cool flying kick, which is like yeah. when they go to like the other dimension and shit. Um, the guy who Sub Zero mercs, like also does like a really cool long jump before he gets frozen and destroyed. So yeah, like it's they're. Good movie. They're good action scenes, and especially for '95. That's the thing we were talking about, right? Like some effects. They're campy. Uh, reptile is ridiculous. Yeah, it's the beginning of CGI. But I honestly, I like that more than seeing the over CGI stuff because I think that it feels very organic. Which brings me to my favorite character of the movie that okay. I was defending yesterday a lot, uh, Goro. And I want to read from the article on Goro because uh, what I was mentioning uh, yesterday as we were watching it is that I kind of fear that whatever they did now, they would do like this super computery Goro. And that Goro looked like he was slightly animated. Yeah. But he, is it a he? Is it a she? Is it a they? We don't know. I'm like assigning Goro an arbitrary gender and sorry, but... um, Goro is is very like it looks very like an animatronic like a doll and I like that so much more than just having a fully animated like that weird Spider-Man turtle alligator thing (laughs) that I don't even know to this day what that was from that terrible Andrew Garfield movie but I really liked it. And then uh, what I heard that was interesting is that what I read that was interesting in that article is that, first of all, they needed to make the movie PG-13 so they couldn't have um, human mortal characters die on screen. But what they could have is characters like Goro die because he wasn't mortal. So because he wasn't human, he doesn't look he didn't look human. He could die on screen. That's crazy, right? Mm, there's humans that died, though. You have like a limit. Uh, yeah, what Kane, we learned uh, is Kane was if dies. what we learned was if you killed a human on screen, you got an R rating. What we needed to do was any deaths that happened on screen needed to be something other than a human. I don't know if they considered Kano um, not human. Yeah, Sub Zero dies. Uh, Shenzong dies, who's yeah. obviously not human. Not He's a human. sorcerer. Uh, Sub Zero dies. Kano dies. Well, Kano has like a thing, cyborg thingy. So maybe that's it. Oh, yeah. Uh, but what I thought uh, that was super interesting about Goro is the henchman a human though? Who? The henchman that Sub Zero freezes in his head, lies oh, off. I didn't even. I didn't even remember that. And lies on the feet of Shenzong's head. Maybe he wasn't. Uh, that's like the coolest s- death of the movie. 
The director says Goro was created by Tom Woodruff and Alec Gillis from Amalgamated Dynamics. I'm reading straight from the article, by the way. Tom was the guy in the alien costume for Alien 3. Oh, good on him. That's the Fincher one, right? Yeah, yeah. the third one is the Fincher one, yes. Uh, Goro was a big creation with a lot of computers and a lot of guys working around him. He broke down a lot and we would have to <laughs> wait for him. Goro became the diva of the set. Everyone would joke about it and say, Goro won't come out of his trailer. We blocked him and I tried to shoot him as creatively as possible to kind of shoot around the limitations of working with a big animatronic like that. We did little bits of CG enhancement to help with his lip sync and stuff. There was a production meeting where we discussed taking Goro to Thailand. And I said, that's never going to happen. He's barely behaving himself in a studio <laughs> in Bangkok. I don't know what he would do in Thailand. <laughs> uh, and yes, they actually had a uh, continuing a uh, production designer, um, says that they they spent one million Eesh. on Goro. Yes. And uh they designed the statuary gardens on the soundstage that were meant to have like beautiful koi ponds and oversized lilies and water and reflection pools. And at the last minute they were afraid Goro might fall over and fall into one of my ponds and short circuit and ruin the electronics. So Yes, instead it was, let's ruin Jonathan's design and not put water in it, so we took that part out. Clearly, Jonathan, the production designer, is bitter about Goro ruining his, <laughs> cramping his style. Uh, but yeah, so I, I fucking loved Goro. Here's a question I wanted to, to, to um, ask you today. Because the, the main difference, like in our ages, movie-wise, yeah. for me, I think, is CGI. Like, mm -hmm. when you started going to the movies, like... As a young, as an older child, a young teenager, like CGI was there. Like it's the early 2000s, yeah. right? Like you were born in 89, so it was like 12, old, 12 years old, 2001, 2002. CGI was there and like very present in everything. When I was that age, like a little younger, there's still like a lot of practical stuff. And mm -hmm. I love practical creatures, right? Yeah. Uh, like even serious, like I'm still in love with like Tales from the Crypt, for example. Like the, the mm -hmm. practical Crypt Keeper to me is like mm -hmm. one of the greatest things and the nightmare for uh, on Elm Street movies and stuff. Now that you've grown up and you've seen like a lot more older movies and practical stuffs, what do you think about practical monsters and practical creatures and stuff instead of CGI? I like them much better. Right? I'm more scared of them. I think they're more interesting. I've, I, and that's the thing. I fucking love Goro. He's super slapstick. He's just not, he's, in a way, he's not believable, but to me, he's much more believable than a 100% CGI creature. And this has been my thing with like a lot of movies that have monsters, right? Like um, Cloverfield. I love Cloverfield. And then the fucking monster appears and I don't love it anymore. Because it's this computer thing that yeah. doesn't scare me at all. Can you imagine the Gremlins being made? In 2014 instead of like in 1984. They would have been fucking terrible. There's no fun That's what in I'm that. Saying. So I think that maybe it's also because like I was in the middle. Maybe like 10 years from now, the technology would be so good that those would be like such cool monsters. But I feel like I kind of caught it in a stage where we're still like halfway there. And I would much rather have even like uh, I was given another example that is not a creature, Top Gun. I love Top Gun's sequence in the airplane. It's amazing. To me, it's one of the coolest every, sequences everything, ever. Everything's real. And then you watch like uh, the Green Lantern. Oh. And his fucking <laughs> sequence is horrendous. 
So to me, that's where I stand. And that's why I will defend Goro till my dying breath. You haven't seen Days of Thunder, right? No, I haven't. Everything's also practical and amazing. That's why Tom Cruise insisted on like fucking piloting a plane for the new... Um, the new Mission Impossible? No, the new Top Gun. Oh, yeah. Which hasn't come out, right? Like yeah. it was a COVID casualty? I don't even know when it's coming uh. out. But yeah, I heard that it was delayed a bunch because he wanted to like fucking pile. And I and I say, you know what, Tom Cruise? You're very weird and I will not defend you as a human being. But, but I won't <laughs> at all. Uh, but in that situation, I will defend your choice. But that's all. T- I guess this is this whole episode could be named in defense of Goro because I think Goro is the fucking coolest. I'm glad we agree on it. I have my like my pet creatures from like movies yeah but Goro is like definitely up there I love it it's really fucking cool also I love the ridiculous screams which I've adopted like it's not an animal like when you see this behind the scenes it just says that's the thing right like when you see those behind the scenes things like oh we got the roar from Godzilla from like uh, an elephant and a leopard and a lion reversed polarized with flanger and blah 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 and this is just a dude like yelling to a microphone and that's coral and it's lovely uh another super smooth segue just because i think we've made our feelings on goro known this to our audience coral rules the, we might be creating a spin-off podcast in which we just talk about goro i'm a man <laughs> um, we have to ask the fanbite crew if they, if they would be down they but think there's a market for it but i don't know i think there it. is a market for anything if you set your mind to yeah. it uh one other thing that i really enjoyed throughout the movie you know that whenever a fight is about to go down they break out the if not the theme music, a music. So, like again, another way that they're just sparing us the 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 reflection, the doubts, the uncertainty. You just know if the song comes on, you know a fight's about to happen. You mentally prepare, you get yourself in that mode, and it's amazing. And I love it. And also, when the big fights break out, it's the Mortal Kombat theme, which was a <laughs> weird EDM theme that. Nobody can explain, but it's amazing. Which, according to a thing I read on Mel Magazine this week, is yes. the first EDM platinum hit in the history of the U.S. Here they kind of talked about it. Um, Written by a real Belgian dude who used to do really industrial electronic music, mainly about sex. I'm trying to find a bit of the article. Yeah, the they say that apparently. So um, the soundtrack was the first Planet EDM record ever in history. This is just we don't know. We can't. We haven't confirmed this information because again, this is a dump. Don't expect quality. <laughs> um, we insisted on el- using electronic dance music, which at the time was insane. We got kicked out. Uh, apparently, they wanted to. <laughs> uh, we walk one of the production. Um, the record company said they go no here's our idea buckethead they uh yeah they wanted buckethead to duel eddie van halen or something and that's man i have never seen buckethead live and that's a shame and that's kasanov uh larry kasanov the producer talking about how they wanted to get that that score going but anyway so it became a huge and i actually in my mind i thought the theme was from the game like i didn't know it was that movie that launched that soundtrack. Yeah, that so theme song. For those who are wondering, it's 
the song is from the, the movie. Like, it's not in one of the games. The voice yelling Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat! Do, 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 that's do, from do, a TV do, ad. Do, do, do. Oh, really? So when Mortal Kombat was being ported from the arcade to the... This is according to Tim Grierson in Mail Magazine. When it's being ported from the arcade to the to home consoles, uh, Super Nintendo, Genesis, Game Boy, Game Gear, which is like the both portables and both home consoles, there was a TV ad for a campaign called Mortal Monday, which is when the game would be released for consoles. And somewhere in that ad, it's the voice that yells Mortal Kombat. Oh. And then obviously the tester might, the finishing, flawless victory, and the name of the fighters and stuff. That's from the game. That's amazing. I'm glad you're here, babe, to give some credence to this. Honestly, like thing. I do follow like some of the stuff Team Grayson does and one of the podcasts, movie podcasts he does, he does. I just literally that thing just went through my time like, like four days ago and I saved it because the theme is just insane. See? And now we know now we've all grown more cultured Struggle because luck. of you, boo boo. Struggle luck. Amazing. Uh, and it's an amazing scene which uh, one of the fighters from this Saturday's UFC event came out to. Curtis, Curtis Blades, unfortunately, did not work out for him. Did you re- Do you remember what you did in this apartment the first time we watched a Curtis Blade movie together? Uh, fight together? No, what did I do? You literally did like a series of kicks and punches and stuff to the Mortal Kombat thing. Was I sober? I don't know, but you tweeted about it. I don't remember it. And then someone I don't like, like, he was like, Ugh, is he still there? Of course I'm here. It was amazing. Oh, di- okay, let's not. I don't even know. <laughs> You're throwing shade that I don't even know See? who it's directed See? towards. Off air, off air. Uh, but now I, remember, now I remember the whole thing. I tweeted about it. Yes, I was likely not entirely sober. So Lords of Acid was the band that this uh, was the name of the Belgian. I'm trying to find it here. Techno Syndrome, by the way, is the official name of the of the song. Yeah, it's an amazing song. I'm looking through my notes and they're all like very confusing, but I love it. Uh, one of my notes is Scorpion Bleeds Lava and Bleeds Lava is in all caps. Uh, then I have Goro uh, dot 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 question mark. Uh, then I have Raiden's Wisdom, um, which we've addressed. Then I have Romans. Which is referring to Johnny Cage and Sonya. Which eventually... Sexual tension and they have a scene against the sunset, but it never materializes. And it never materializes uh, on screen. I'm sure they banged uh, outside of it. Well, no. She wasn't married. She wasn't married yet. And she was... I think she was only 20. She talked about how her mom was with her uh, during the the shooting of the movie. Maurice Engelen is the name of the... Yeah. Guy who did the music. I'm sure there's like one nerd who cares, but I appreciate the work you put into this podcast, babe, because oh, it's a lot more than the work Linda that I Linda Nashby in. is 13 years younger than Bridget Wilson. Hmm? So he was probably like 33, 34 shooting the movie. And older. Bridget Wilson, he was... You 20. mean he's older. What do you say? Younger. Yeah, I español. No, it's because it's because she's twenty. She was twenty when she was shooting the movie. She 21. was twenty, and yeah. he was thirty-three. Okay, that's gross. But yeah, that happened. Um, my next <laughs> reptile and new king. Um, bugs and worms. 
parenthesis oh, gross because when reptile dies uh he's filled with bugs and worms and it is gross it's very literal i feel like my notes are are, are actually very good now what i don't very... know what's first reptile or oogie boogie what's for nabby before christmas it's also made out of bugs okay um yeah i'm just gonna just gonna start interrupting you a bit because you're you're going really off topic here um Then I have Liu Kang and and Shen fight, and then parenthesis cheater. What was I referring to? I think it's because he he conjured he a lot of his into souls. Liu Kang's brother. Oh, first no, of all, but before he conjures that, up like 20 souls. Yeah, to try and kick Liu Kang's ass. Yeah, he kicks their ass, and then Liu Kang gets uh, cheated or like mm, surprised by Shen Tsung transforming into his dead brother. But that's not cheating. That I think like that's all you can. That's all you can for being so fucking dumb because yeah. he's so they're there, they're fighting, and then like uh, um, Shansung has his like back turned back turned to him, and then he transforms, and then he doesn't know that it's Shansung. Like that's stupid. That's on him. No, what what I meant is that when they're fighting, Shen uh, Tsung transforms into a lot of people, and Liu Kang has to fight all of them. So that was the part what I consider cheating. Like, just do mano a mano, dude. And he kicks their asses. Yeah, you just, like, come here and, like, conjure up, like, these souls that you've eaten. So that was when I lost a little bit of my um, my horniness for him. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Because, like, that that was kind of not cool. I thought that was... He did, he did looking a little dirty there. But I think that uh, Shang Tsung throughout was just a very, like, committed villain. He kept appearing. We didn't talk a lot about him uh, throughout this because, again, it makes no sense and it's terrible. But um, the podcast, I mean, not the movie, which we've established as amazing. But I do feel like he made sure to make his presence known in every scene. And I appreciate that. And then, obviously, the final fight. Uh, one thing I did not appreciate, when he takes Sonia and uh, asks her to be, like, challenges her to be his opponent, and then um, Liu Kang asks Raiden, Does she have a chance against him? I felt like Raiden was a little sexist. <laughs> no, she nope. doesn't. No, she doesn't. He was like very, nope. And I felt like it was, was a little sexist, but at the same time, we had seen her fight. He was very close on saying, nope. Nope. Like, very nope. pointed. Like, no way she can beat him. Which, nope. uh, yeah, I was like, uh, is it because she's a woman? Then again, we saw what she... Yeah, she's she was just not a good fighter. So I I choose not to be offended by that. Um obviously Liu Kang and 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 Shen Shen Tsung fight, and there's a happy ending, and the souls that um Shen ate are free, apparently, and they are like hanging out, and then um Liu Kang sees his dead brother, and it's all very cute until it isn't a happy ending. We have Raiden and them and the Emperor creature. Shao Kahn. That's the Emperor? Yep. I did not know. And then, like, that's how the movie ends, with a hook for the following movie, which we haven't seen, and it's not part of this review. Because you say they were doing Mortal Kombat 2 while the movie was going I, on, right? Because Shao Kahn appears in Mortal Kombat 2. He didn't, he didn't appear in one. It was only Shen Song. They have so like they, a, were, they were like either selling the arcade game. Um, it was in the testing phase for Mortal, Mortal Kombat, Kombat 2. 2. Okay. Yeah. Which released before the movie. 
but wasn't done when they, when they were doing the movie. Okay. So that's... The ending is kind of weird because from my understanding, the follow-up doesn't even involve the same... Liu Kang is there. But so they changed the casting because Raiden is there, but it's no longer uh, Christopher Lambert. But I don't know about the other characters and who cares? This is not what this review is about. But generally, so so general thoughts, babe, in this movie. What did you, how did you feel? What are, what are you experiencing now that we rehashed this amazing cinematic experience? I think people would know that I liked it because yeah. I didn't have a rant in this episode. I, I also didn't let you, though. I was like... Yeah, I was... Sorry. I was very dictatorial. Yes. Despotic. I was despotic. I'm using another fancy word. Yeah, you were you were being prevented. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. I felt a little like Sonia. Um, you rated me. Oh, can, no. can, can you handle this? <laughs> nope. I'm sorry, boo-boo. I don't that- have a rant about this movie. I have an anecdote. Please share. I was sick of the song and then eventually found it cool again. Because of the movie? Because- no, because everyone used it for everything. This is like, the thing came out, and I think I told you about this, when I was like really into martial arts. Okay. And uh, we did a thing called Kempo Karate, which is in, the tournaments were like open, our fighting tournaments were like open to like a, a lot of disciplines. Mm-hmm. Like where you could fight like a guy from Lima Lama and a guy from straight off karate and a guy straight off from taekwondo, uh, whatever, right? Yeah. And then like the kata section or like the weapons exhibition section was also open to like uh, many martial arts. It wasn't just like one. There was a point like 95, 96 where like we were going to a lot more tournaments where like every time you walked into like, if anyone listening to this has ever done like martial arts at that level, like they're familiar to like walk into an, a hotel and like one of their exhibition halls is like huge with like a thousand spots for like fights, uh, katas and weapons demonstration. Mm-hmm. Literally everyone who did a weapons demonstration used this song for their routine. So you would walk in and it was a cacophony of the Mortal Kombat. <laughs> so like, just on one side it was starting, on the other it was sending. When yeah. you were walking, it was in the middle. So it was like listening to the same song at five different spots of the song at the same time. Like that weird experimental CD thing the Flaming Lips did where you had to play like six CDs at the same time. That's what you had with the Mortal Kombat thing. It was that thing. <laughs> and I left that for, I'm not kidding, like a year straight. There was a year where I went to like probably 20 tournaments in a year, like in 50 weeks. And every single tournament I went to, we had this. So like at the end, I was like, fuck this song. Fuck this. I love the game. Movie's cool. Fuck this shit. And then like 10 years ago, I was like, you know what? That song still kind of slaps. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, babe. My anecdote with that song is a little different, but I, I it's not as cool. Cause I, I like that. This wasn't cool. It's a little nerdy. It's a journey, boo boo. It's a, that's <laughs> I love that for you. Like you went through like just having sort of trauma with that song and coming around to it and understanding that it slaps. That is what I call growth. Okay, and this is what this podcast is all about. Okay, so I'm here. My anecdote is an anecdote. Uh, it's hard today, English. Uh, it's not as fun. My first boyfriend. Um, we in his building he had a treadmill 
So we would go, I would go run on his treadmill sometimes, but uh, sometimes I would forget to bring my iPod at the time. That's how we listened to music. Uh, we used our underdeveloped opposable thumbs to switch the little, the little, um, uh, I don't even remember the name. Anyway. Oh, my old iPod is like behind you. So, There's a wheel there. Wheel. That's <laughs> the very difficult word that escaped me. And I would get, borrow his iPod, but he was a metalhead. I'm not a metalhead. He listened to a lot of Iron Maiden and stuff. So there was not a lot in that iPod that I could use to run. Good running music though, Maiden. But not for me. Okay. But there was the Mortal Kombat theme. Oh. So I would run <laughs> to that song in a loop because it was motivational. I mean, I could run half an hour with like the Mortal Kombat theme and Iron Maiden's The Trooper. Those two songs in loop for That's, half an hour. That not me, but but I I like your I tried. I tried. So that's my anecdote with that song. Um, since you're controlling the board, how long do we have on this podcast? You never ran to Iron Maiden's The Loneliness of the Long Distance I Runner. I would literally rather die. Uh, 59 minutes and 15 seconds. Okay, so we've been talking forever. That yeah. is That signals it's so uh, the wrapping up time. <laughs> Sorry, usually I, I'm keeping tabs, but he's the one recording it today. So that's why I had to ask. So I would just give my final... Uh, my yeah. final review of the movie, which is uh, Shang Tsung, amazing villain, very committed, um, beautiful faces, very villainous, evil, slightly terrified and horny by him. So that's like 10 on a 10 villain scale. Mm -hmm. Raiden, no, no, no. I like Christopher Lambert, yes. That's what I was <laughs> Christopher Lambert, yes. Raiden, no. Sonia, I like her. Chip on her shoulder, attitude, not a great fighter, but you know what? Who cares? She's got, she's carrying off. Johnny Cage, um, cocky, kind of racist, you know, shady. It's 95, though. Today would have been canceled, would be a very weird be Republican type, would advocate for like guns and like children not having health care. Look, look, I'm just saying. I'm just, a lot. yeah, I'm, I'm, just, saying, saying I'm just saying. A, a unfortunately, lot. he would like be on Fox News a lot. Look, I'm just saying. But at the time, we could appreciate his humor. Liu Kang. Bland, but serves his purpose as this movie sort of anchor role and the best fighter, the most interesting fighter with the most intricate choreography. Yeah. So good on Liu Kang. Um, Kano, I thought he was kind of done dirty uh, because he didn't have a lot of screen time. Confusing accent, but cool nonetheless. Uh, actor unfortunately died very tragically, so that's sad. Also, he's in that scene, uh, dinner scene with Goro. And there's a lot of shit going on and he sees Goro <laughs> and he still doesn't lose his appetite. So I can really stand a king who can go on about his meal, even though he's standing across this four-armed <laughs> animatronic who is kind of gross. Look, if you can still <laughs> eat a turkey leg while a three-meter tall creature with four arms is in front of you, Okay. All the power to you. You're a tough dude. All the power to you. I I I'm I'm there with this. Yep. Sub Zero and Scorpion done, done kind of dirty. Yeah. Best fight scenes, yes. So that's cool. Again, along with Reptile, but I felt like their characters weren't properly explored. Who knows? Maybe in the new movie, that's they get their their. They're on the poster, so maybe. What they else? get their vengeance, right? Because again, like you said, I think they've been revisited as fan favorites that yeah. maybe at the time people didn't really know. Uh, and I think that pretty much covers it for the main characters. 
of of the movie. Sorry if I forgot anyone. Um, then again, I'm very bad at this and I've never lied about being good at it. And I think to wrap it up, I'll end it with a quote that I think, a quote from the movie that I think really sums up our whole endeavor here and that I found to be really inspiring. Okay. Okay. Final thoughts? Anything you want to plug before I close um, this up? I like the movie. Now I want to watch American Me, which I remember is a really good movie, but it might be a little racist. So like, if it's not good, <laughs> it's not on me. I watched it as a kid. I really liked it. I will watch it again. Maybe this week I'll report back. So I just think Edward James Holmes is amazing. Corey Fukunaga is amazing. Still. Uh, also, because you never say it, so I'm going to say it in your place. Please subscribe rate and share best camp of my life i should be better at that yeah do that do that do that people that would be cool i would appreciate it you can I would find think it's it nice. on spotify, spotify apple, apple podcast Podcasts. you can do a five-star rating share with your peoples thank you share on instagram at a link nice. on spotify maybe say my hair looks pretty i will take any of those Ooh, hair looks pretty today thank you see it wasn't hard um, and that is it. So the quote is, <clears throat> the essence of mortal combat is not death, but life. And that Mind will blown. do it for this week's episode. Thank you, Rodrigo, 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 my boo-boo, Yo for being here. LSE. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you all for listening once again and putting up with whatever this is. It is appreciated. It is appreciated. Thank you, Swedish composer, whose name I forgot, Belgium. who made this Belgian. <laughs> Sorry. Who a made Belgian this. and American made that song. Uh, thank you both for making this um, beautiful EDM anthem. Um, and that is it. Thank you all. That This has been the best camp of my life. I will see you all 